All right. If you have been with us, you know that we are going through the book of Hebrews. And again tonight, we come to chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews. And I know I say this often. I say this several times. And I and I know I feel like I'm repeating myself. But I think it's important for us to know and to be continually reminded of the fact of how we approach the Bible. And uh, I know I probably start off every uh, study like this, but it's important for us to know. Again, I want to say that you would know that when you have the Bible, the Holy Scriptures before you, you are reading the Scriptures, God's words. And you are to read it as Christians. You are reading it with the mindset that God is speaking to you. And we want to be careful not to always lay the charge of, well, the book of Matthew was only for the Jews. The book of Mark was only for the Gentiles. The book of Hebrews was only for Hebrew Christians and so on. Because all the words of the Bible and all of the books of the Bible and all of the chapters of the Bible are to speak to us. We can learn from them. And when we undertake this studying of the Scriptures, the Bible was made for the common man. You don't have to be a theological scholar. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be somebody who has many, many degrees behind them. And they stand up and they say, I'm an expert in the Bible. The God gave us his word and the Bible for us. He gave it to us, for all of us. And he has made it so that we can know the Bible. He has also provided for us the Holy Spirit to help us in studying the Scriptures. So I lay that foundation before us as we begin this because I think it is very important on what our attitude is when we approach the Word of God. I think, and I am confident that if you take that approach, you will be truly blessed and you will learn many things from the scriptures that the Holy Spirit will lead you into. You know, let me say this very quickly before we start. I didn't know much when God saved me years and years and years and years ago. But God had me read through the scriptures, cover to cover, read through, read through, read through. And the amazing thing was that the Holy Spirit was teaching me as I went. If you approach it in that way, that Lord Jesus, I don't know anything about your word. I'm going to read it for what the words are on the page. And I am going to rely on the Holy Spirit to teach me. He will. So, with that, we are in chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews, or the letter of, the, of Hebrews. We've gone over 
and I'm not going to go back through it all, of the author of the Hebrews and who the book of Hebrews was written for. If you want a reminder, it is Hebrew Christians. And last week we talked about um, the Jews and uh, were they uh, the word Jew and why are they called Hebrews and Jews. You can go listen to that if you want to. We have that recorded. But we are in chapter 8 now. And he comes to this point and he says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. All the things thus far from chapter 1 to chapter 8, verse 1, right here, he says of the things we've spoken of, this is the sum. This is the total of everything that we're talking about. What is it, author of Hebrews? He says this, we have, you and I, Christians, such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. The sum of it is we have the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a high priest. He's set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of heavens. The right hand means a place of honor. He is at the right hand of the throne of the heavens, majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. In the Old Testament, God told Moses and the children of Israel, go out and see that you make the tabernacle according to the way I give it to you, the plans that I tell you. And they had to make the blankets, and they had to make the curtains, and they had to make the staves, and they had to make the cords. That is a tabernacle that man made. And even more so today, men love to make tabernacles. Men love to build their own churches. Men love to build their own religions and make it a man-centered religion instead of a Jesus-centered religion. And that's what we have here, that the Lord pitched and not man. What is the true tabernacle? He's the minister of the true tabernacle, our, our bodies, us, his people. Why? He says, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man, Jesus Christ, have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, again today, it says, he would not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto an example of, the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that is God, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee to thee in the mount. So again, we see there that uh, this is again praising Jesus, that Jesus wouldn't be a priest on earth if he were here. And it is that he, because they have something to offer according to the law, but and they only serve of the shadow of the heavenly things, not the substance, not the real heavenly things. And Jesus serves the real heavenly things. As Moses was admonished to God to make the tabernacle, he, God told him, make it according to the pattern. He says, but now, verse 6, but now he hath, he hath obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator 
of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Notice there in verse 6 that it says, Now, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he's the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. A mediator is a go-between, is one who mediates between two parties and that person's job is to basically make peace between the two parties that have a disagreement. God had a disagreement with you. God had a disagreement with you as a sinner. He had a disagreement with you, and his disagreement with you was that you were a sinner and you were separated from him. And that disagreement, there was no way God was going to take you because of this sin and disagreement you had. The Lord Jesus came, and when the Lord Jesus saved you, he therefore became the mediator between God and you, and he made peace. Romans tells us he made peace, tearing down the middle wall of separation. Notice in verse 6 that he uses better covenant twice. He says, the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Better covenant. Covenant simply means covenant or testimony or uh, testament. This is what we have, the New Testament. It wasn't based on the Old Testament. It was based on the New Testament. Jesus makes this New Testament for us, which was established on better promises. The promises were much more deeper, much more effective as instead of the promises that were in the Old Testament, which weren't as effective and could not make the comers thereunto perfect, as the scriptures say. He says, For if that first covenant, that is the Old Testament and the old law, had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for a second. If the first covenant, if the Old Testament, if the laws of the Old Testament and the laws of the, of the first covenant, if they had been faultless, perfect, and able to make those that come to this wanting salvation perfect, there wouldn't have been a need for Jesus to come. There wouldn't have been a second testament. But because it was full of fault and couldn't make those people that came to it perfect, Jesus comes and he does do that for us. He says in verse 8, For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Because because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. That day came when Jesus came. This was the new agreement that God was going to make with people, that when my son, the Lord Jesus, comes, if you put your faith, if you believe on him, you will be saved. That was the new covenant. No longer was it bring two turtle dove or bring a lamb and offer the sacrifice and walk righteously and don't ever do anything presumptuously. That was done away with when Jesus came. 
Jesus then comes and is your covering. His blood is your covering then. And of this new covenant he makes with us, which is altogether wonderful and great. He says, they continue not in my covenant. I regard them not saving the Lord. For this is the covenant, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Now notice that he's saying that he's going to put his laws into your mind and he's going to write them on your heart and he's going to be to you a God and you'll be to him a people and there'll be no more a man saying to teach his neighbor saying know the Lord or his brother saying know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. What that's saying is it isn't saying that people can't teach you the word of God it's saying that in regards to salvation, no longer will you need to go to a priest or go to a man to get salvation or to see if you're on the right path of salvation because now the Lord Jesus has done it and the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit leads people unto Jesus and they become saved. You don't need that man anymore. You don't need that in-between, go-between. Go not like the cult of Catholicism where you go into a little box and you confess to a priest who then has the say and the authority supposedly to forgive you of your sins. No, you, go to, you have direct access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ now without any hindrance whatsoever. He says, for I will be, get this, this is beautiful, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Again, he says how beautiful it is that he will be merciful to your unrighteousness. Again, in the Old Testament and in the old way of getting salvation, you couldn't do it on your own. There's no way. The law is a schoolmaster to Christ, uh, is, a, is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. We learned that in previous chapters. God says, because of my son, the Lord Jesus, when you come to him and when you believe on him and you confess him and you become saved, I will be merciful to your unrighteousness and your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. I want you to get that. If you get nothing from this chapter besides the other things, get that one thing, that God, if you became a Christian, God is merciful unto you and to your unrighteousness and your sins and your iniquities. He says here, I will, will I remember no more. He does not remember the sins and the iniquities that you go, when you go to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, all your sins and iniquities are taken away. When you go to him, even after as a Christian, and you have committed a sin, whether knowingly or not knowingly, and you go to him and are truly remorseful and sorrowful and repent of it and say to him, Father, I have sinned, forgive me. 
Your sins are forgiven. Those are the promises. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 says. So, stop being beaten up over the fact that you don't feel like your sins are forgiven. This is the point why Jesus came. He saved us from our sins. He, his blood washed us clean. He's the covering. He's that mediator, as we found out. The go-between between God and man to make peace between these two parties. And now he has done so, and you are saved, and you are cleansed in him, and you are to walk in righteousness and walk in faith and in truth in the Lord Jesus. He says that the old covenant, which is the Old Testament, is now which decayeth and waxeth and is ready. It didn't say it was vanished away. It says is ready to vanish away. The Old Testament, oh, we should just abandon the Old Testament and get rid of it. And I know some Christian groups who only study the New Testament and don't go with the Old Testament. No, because we know that in Romans, Paul says that the law is holy, just, and good. So it's not abandoning it. He does not say, remember this in verse 13, he doesn't say that it is already vanished away, but ready vanished away. So don't think that, oh, we just don't need the Old Testament. There's very many beneficial things for the Christian in the Old Testament and much more so in the New Testament. Be encouraged Be blessed that you have a mighty Savior who is in the heavens ministering of the heavenly sanctuary on your behalf for you. He's the mediator of a New Testament. He's the mediator between you and God, and he has created peace, the Bible says, and he is merciful to your unrighteousness and your sins and your iniquities. He he doesn't remember them anymore when you come to him. Walk in that. Walk in that faith and that love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be blessed.